And as our kids are being uh, dismissed this morning, I want to say good morning to you. How are you guys, how's everybody doing today? A whole lot more chipper than the 915, I'll tell you that much. Oh, my name is Steve, and I'm glad that you guys are here uh, today. So, so happy that we're going to gather together, and we're going to sing praises, and we're going to open God's word um, together. And before we jump into the message um, today, I just want to talk uh, to you guys just a little bit um, because of conversations that I've been having lately as a pastor, people coming to me, talking to me, whether it be emails or phone calls or prayer requests or what they may be. Um, but I just want to, I think it's just important enough to, to talk about this morning, and that is... There's just a lot of fear in the world today that, that people are really, really afraid. And maybe you're in here today and you're really concerned, and maybe your concern has turned to fear. There's just so much going on in our world that so many unknowns and so much uh, that we, we can't control, um, and people are being really, really afraid. They're like, what do I do with my fear, and how do I uh, get over this? And, and what I love about God and I love about his word is that he addresses our fear. Being afraid is nothing new to the human condition, just so you know. Um, things going wrong in the world, nothing new um, in, the, in, the, in the human condition. I remember um, being younger as a young man as a, uh, in ministry, uh, I used to have uh, lunch every Thursday with the quilters. And the quilters were these 80-year-old women who were just amazing and great cooks, and that's why I went there. Um, but they would talk about when their brothers went off to fight in World War II, and they talked about the scares of this, and they talked about polio, and they talked about a number of different things. And I just remember their, their trust in the Lord as they walked through it, and that was just a huge encouragement to me. They leaned into the scriptures and they leaned into Jesus and that's what got them through and that's what's going to get us through um, this as well. It's going to be the same thing. We're going to press into the word of God. We're going to press into the spirit of God. We're going to ask God to give us comfort and we have to understand and remember that God has got this and God is in control and he doesn't call us to live by fear. He calls us to live by faith and so that as a church guys that's what we're going to do. We're going to live by faith. And that's what we're going to be controlled by um, as we walk. And, 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 and if you need help and you need resources, one, there's going to be a prayer team after service. We'd love to pray with you. Um, but also, um, I would say this. One of the things um, in January 26th on our website, um, the sermon from January 26th is about the kingdom for the fearful. And how do we, uh, you know, how do we recognize and put fear in its proper place? And so I just want to encourage you guys with that today and say, you know what? We're going to get through this. Because um, God is with us, and we're gonna we're gonna walk through this uh, together, and so um, so be of good cheer. And we're also gonna be opening up God's Word uh, today to encourage and challenge us um, as well. And so we've been going through the book of Matthew, and we're still there, and we're going to be there for a while. We're gonna take some breaks here and there, but but the great thing about Matthew is that Matthew is broken up into chunks. And chapters 8 and 9 is kind of its own like chunk of, uh, of the book. He, he writes kind of in categories. And, and so what we see in this is Jesus uh, talking, uh, demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God, that Jesus is a king, and not only a king, a merciful king, which is amazing. And he's a merciful king, and, and he brings about uh, the nature and characteristics of the 
of, the, of his kingdom, of what it will be one day uh, for forever. But he's establishing a beachhead and moving it forward into the kingdom of darkness. And so that's what we've been seeing in uh, chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew. And we're, it's no different today as we uh, get to see Jesus have an interaction with, with a couple of blind dudes. And uh, so we're going to see that uh, today. And we're going to be talking about uh, the kingdom uh, for the blind. That the kingdom of God has come for the blind. And the big idea is this. That Jesus' mercy addresses our blindness and our blind spot. That, that Jesus' mercy addresses our blindness and our blind spots. Like there, there's both. And so here's the thing. I have had uh, just the, I, I, I feel very, very fortunate. I have never experienced blindness before. I've never been blind. Um, the closest thing I have come to blindness um, was uh, when I was on a, a vacation um, seven years ago. And uh, people are like, blindness on vacation, that sounds terrible or awesome. I can't know. I don't know which one. Um, but I took my family to the Black Hills of South Dakota, and what I found out when I was there is that there's, there's this elaborate cave system um, underneath uh, the Black Hills and lots of different caves, and so we, we took a tour, and we went on a cave tour. And, um, and so we were in this cave, and we were going through it and seeing all these different places, and then we're like down in the heart of the earth at the bottom level, like just you know, kind of here, and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn off the lights. So everybody just stays that we're going to turn off the lights for a minute, and you're going to experience what it's like to be down here. Um, and so they're like, okay, let's, let's turn off the lights. So we turned off the lights, and it was, it was really unbelievable how dark, complete darkness is. Like, like I was touching my face, and uh, I couldn't see my hand. Now, I was trying to touch my nose, and because it is the size it is cut out here, but it was still... It was darker than what I thought. And I couldn't see anybody around me, couldn't see anybody near me. Like, it was, and I, I started having this, this uh, uh, panic. I got really, really nervous because I was thinking about, like, what if the lights don't come back on? You know, what if this is, what if this is the time they're like, switch it, and the breaker's back up in the booth, and they're like, huh, sorry, right? Um, like, I wasn't, you know, like, and what if the lights don't come back on? And then I was thinking about the people that have actually been down here and actually gotten trapped down here, and then they ran out of light. And I started to get unnerving. And the idea of not having sight is, it feel, makes you feel very, very vulnerable because you don't know where what is coming from. And I, and I, and I, I can't imagine what that feels like all the time. And, 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 and so, they, so then they turned the lights back on, and I was okay, and my wife comforted me, and it was, we were all... We were all good. We were all good. Um, but also, maybe you never experienced blindness, but you definitely have blind spots, and so do I. We have these things that we don't see, these things that we think that we're okay, but as soon as something moves or something else or something points out, you're like, oh, I didn't know that that was there. Maybe you've been driving a car up to an intersection, and the, and the speed by which you're approaching the intersection is the same. Uh, you know, it coincides with the speed of the car right here that stays in your blind spot the entire way. You ever had that? You stop and you look left, then right, then left, then you inch forward like you should, right? That's what we do. Um, and, then, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's why they have that where you inch forward because then you get to see cars moving and people moving and all those kinds of things because we have these blind spots that we just don't see. Um, one of the things that I'm committed to um, since I've been called to, to vocational ministry is that I always want to try to grow and be a better pastor than I was yesterday. 
Um, I, want, I want to grow and be a better pastor for you, and I want to be able to serve you better um, and, and to honor Jesus better by my life. And so one of the things that I've submitted myself to is, is, is having other people speak into my life and challenge me. And uh, one uh, person challenged me to do this last year um, a 360 leadership assessment. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Maybe you have if you've been in the business world or not. I don't know. But the, the idea is this, is that you get people who are all around you answering the same questions about you. Okay, so you get your colleagues, you get, uh, you know, other people, you get family members, you get friends, and so I had, I had my wife, and I had the overseers of Ignite, I had the staff of Ignite, I had some people in my life group, I had my accountability partner, I had some other friends that they all answered the same questions, and really the questions boiled down to basically this, what is Steve like when he's at his best, and what is he like when he's at his worst? That is a fun process. Um... Uh, and something was interesting is that I took the test at, uh, I had people take the assessment at 38 and I went through the assessment and, and realized that there were things that I was doing that I didn't even know I was doing. Like, like did not know and it was confirmed by multiple people that said, yeah, Steve, when you're, when you're at your worst, um, you're like this. One of which is being like mentally not present and unengaged. And I was like, oh, I thought like I was always present for people. I'm, I'm a good listener. Turns out I'm not as good as I thought I was. And they said, we tried to tell you. And I was like, well, I wasn't paying attention. So, <laughs> right? And so like it was a blind spot for me. When I get, when I get in a funk or when I, when I have things weighing down or when I'm ruled by fear or whatever it is, I'm not present. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about me, and everybody else is going, Steve, we all knew that about you. Well, everybody else did, but it was a blind spot for me. It was a blind spot for me. And so I'm working on that, by the way. Um, that's a known weakness that I'm working on about trying to be present uh, where I'm at. But, but when we're blind, no one wants to be blind, and no one wants to have blind spots. It leaves us vulnerable, and honestly, it can be dangerous for us and the people around us if we don't address these things, right? And so that's what we're going to see today, is we're going to see both blindness and a blind spot um, and how Jesus uh, works through all of it. And so we're going to be in Matthew 9, uh, starting in verse 27. We're going to see these two blind guys. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. These were two men who were both blind. Now, they may have been standing together or sticking close to each other because they both had the same disability and they were relying on one another to help each other out. I don't know. Maybe they just they had a blind support group or whatever it is. They developed a friendship and they both happened to be blind. Now, the other thing that we see throughout Scripture is that often people will treat people who are blind different, and one of which is there's the, the ruling thought of the day in many people's eyes was that that blindness was caused by, like you were cursed by God, okay? That you were cursed by God because you were blind. In fact, actually, Jesus' disciples one time would ask uh, Jesus, they see a blind man, and they go, hey, Jesus, this blind guy right here, is he blind because of his sin, or is he blind because of his parents' sin? I'm sure the guy's standing there going, hey, guys, blind, not deaf. Like, <laughs> like I'm right here. And Jesus says it's neither. 
It's not either this man's sin nor his parents' sin. He is blind now, but I'm going to show you, like, this is going to work out for my good and my glory. And often what happens is, is, is these people were seen as cursed by God, because obviously they did something wrong. They're blind. And blindness was one of these things that, you know, like it was just a, it was a death sentence. There was no handicap accessibility. There, was, there wasn't treatment for it. There was... and so here they were, blind, and they were thinking this was going to be their lot in life. And then they hear about Jesus. And they hear about who he is. And they hear about the things that he's doing. And then they hear that Jesus is going to come by. That Jesus is going to come through the neighborhood. And these blind men are ready. And so when Jesus passed by, as soon as they hear the, 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 the crowd noise, as soon as they hear someone tells them, hey, Jesus is walking by, they get up and they start to follow and they start to cry aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us. Take pity on me. Take pity on us. Have mercy they're desperately calling out to God. Have mercy on me. Take pity on me. I am dependent. I am broken. I am stripped of all my strength. Have mercy on me. There's nothing else I can do except throw myself on the mercy of Jesus and hope that he'll take care of me. Have mercy on us. And they got to the place where they were completely over the opinions of other people. Like, have you ever been so desperate that you totally violate social norms? Like, most of the time, we, we think, we overthink way, way, way too many things, right? Like, we think about what other people are thinking about us. We think about what they think about us, and we think about what they will say to someone else and what that person's gonna think about us, and the other, we just, we overthink everything, Right? It's like our favorite exercise right now. It's overthinking. You could do it at home. These guys weren't concerned about the opinions of other people. They were just desperate. They had a need, and they went to Jesus. Now, it's really interesting. They said, have mercy on us, son of David. That's an interesting title, son of David. And I want to, if you guys can remember, all the way back, if you guys can go back, and maybe some of you guys are too young to remember that in this room, but all the way back to September of 2019, okay, all the way back, there's actually people in here who are too young, it's awesome, um, all the way back in September of 2019 when we started our journey through Matthew, and one of the first sermons we talked about was the genealogy of Jesus, the list of names, Right? Jesus came out of this lineage. And that's really, really important because Jesus made a pro or God made a promise to Abraham that the Messiah, the one who would bless the nations and, and take away the sins of the world, all that was going to come out of his line. And, and out of this family lineage, we get to a place where the guy named David. And David was the second king of Israel. And David is important. David is revered. David is the most famous king of Israel. In fact, even the, the Israeli flag has the star of David as their symbol. He's, he's a big deal. He's, he's really important in the history of the world. And David was considered a man after God's own heart. 
Now, David was not without sin. He had tons of sin, very, very widely recorded the sins of David. But here's the difference. When David was confronted with his sin, he was broken before God. He repented, and he asked for forgiveness and mercy. And, and God said, that's a man after my own heart. He's the man that when he breaks my commands, he is sorry over it. He wants God to restore him. He desperately wants God in his life. And so he says, David, here's the thing. You're a man after my own heart. Out of your line will come the Messiah. Out of your line will come. So Abraham to David, David to Jesus. There's a lot of people in between. Um, But when he says son of David, they're saying, I recognize that you're the Messiah. Okay? When he says, have mercy on us, son of David, they're saying, have mercy on us, the one that God promised us. Have mercy on us, Messiah of the world. And not only were they desperate in their blindness, they were persistent in their faith. Verse 28. When he entered the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. So if you can picture the scene, they're following Jesus. Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus keeps walking. They keep following. He walks into a house, right? They follow. I was going to say, do you think they'd see the house, but didn't. So they just follow Jesus. They just follow him in and they're like, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus, Jesus then turns around, says, do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Often we see God in the scriptures asking people questions. Um, and it's really interesting. And sometimes you might even think that God is maybe asking you a question. And the question is, do you believe I'm able to do this? God asks people all the time, like, do you, do you want to get better? Do you believe I'm able to do this? You know, God in the garden with Adam and Eve, where are you? It's not that he didn't know where they were. But he asks us questions, and often Jesus' questions and the way that we answer reveals a lot to us about the condition of our heart and the condition of our soul. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you really believe that I'm able to do this? I know you're crying out and doing this, but do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Um, Lord, just like son of David, is an interesting choice. Lord is there saying, Lord, I understand that you are Lord. You're above me. You're more powerful than me. You lead me. You guide me. I submit to you. Yes, Lord, I know that you're powerful. Yes, Lord, I know that you can do this. You are my Lord, and you are the Lord above all other lords. Yes, Lord, I believe that you're able to do this. And there's something about saying something out loud that really cements it into our heart. It really cements it into our life. 
I have, I've had the privilege of doing well over 50 weddings. And there's things that people say to each other out loud. Okay? That's important. Like, we've never had a wedding ceremony where I, like, hand them, like, pieces of paper and go, do you agree to the terms and conditions? And they check it and go, great, you're married. <laughs> right? Just give me a nod or put your fingerprint there or retinal scan. You're married. Right? Because there's something about saying it out loud. Do you, do you promise to fulfill these things for better or worse, for richer or poorer? I do. Right? I take you to be my wife. I take you to be my husband. We say things out loud and it cements it. We, we don't, and he says, I do. I believe this. I believe that you're able to heal. I believe that you're able to have mercy on me. I believe that you're merciful and I believe that you're the Lord who can grant mercy. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, be it done. According to this declaration, you're right, I am able to have mercy on you. You're right, I am, I am able. And they declared their faith and Jesus said, I, I am able. And he touched their eyes and their eyes were opened. In my study um, this week about this message and this text, I discovered that there's actually six different times throughout the Gospels. The Gospels are the biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your Bible. It's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. These are the biographies of Jesus' life here on earth. And over those four Gospels, there's six times that Jesus heals the blind. Okay? Six times that he heals the blind. And here's what's really cool about it. Each time is a little different. Each time, it's just a little different. There was one that we would consider odd. You know, he makes mud with his saliva and wipes it on a guy's eyes and was like, okay, go wash it off, you're healed. Another gun, he touches their eyes here. Like he speaks things. Each time, each of these six times, it's, it's a little different. It's a little different how he interacts with these people. And I love that about our God. I love that each one is a little bit custom. It's a little bit different. Why? Because he's God and he's got a personality. He's got things that he does and he ministers to people where they're at in different ways. You can't boil God down to an equation. He's a person. He's a person that has, that has these beautiful things and he meets us in these different ways. God's not some cosmic equation nor is he your vending machine where I just insert my prayer and I do this good deed and I do this and I said this and God has to do it this way in the way that I want it to because that's what I expect. God doesn't do that. These men have the right posture, humble, understanding that God is God and asking for his mercy and then letting God be God. Okay? We can ask God for mercy, but let God be God. Let him do it in the way that he wants to in your life. It says their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. Can you imagine that feeling? Um, 
you know, talking about fear, and we live in a world that's so wrapped up in negative and fear and all these kinds of things, and, and yeah, there's facts, and yes, we need to have wisdom, and yes, we need to know how to navigate these things, but so often what we are engaging and what we are encountering is just a bunch of people going, let's talk about how bad it will get, and then let's just work each other up into a frenzy. Am I, am I right in saying that? I mean, let's be honest. Like, and we participate in this, Right? Like, let's just talk about how bad it could be, and then let's just work each other up into a frenzy. For what? So, because none of us like sleep, right? And that's where we get, and, so, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. I've gotten to those places where I'm just like hitting the panic button, and I'm freaking out, and the world's going to end. And, and I remember, and, and I'm like, so what do I do in these moments? Well, a couple of things. One, I open up the word of God. I really do go back to the Bible. I open up the Bible and I'm like, God, please, let me just go to some places where I can be encouraged right now that you are in control of this and none of this is catching you by surprise. Um, I listen to some worship music. I have a playlist of some music that I listen to that glorifies God and honors God and reminds me of the truth of God. Um, when I sing that worship, I'm usually in the car alone um, because I love all of you and I love the people around me. Um, so I'll sing. I'll go for walks with Jesus. I'll pray as I walk. And I, I find that I really hit a, a cadence after two miles, really, just like being able to pour some things out to the Lord. And one of the things that he calls us to do is, is he says, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on the things that are good and right and trustworthy. And so when I get all worked up, some of the things I do is I want to find things that are praiseworthy and noble and right and honorable and true and lovely. And so I'll, I'll hop on YouTube and I'll watch people put on those uh, glasses where they're colorblind and they put on the glasses to make the colors appear. I'll watch those, like a bunch of them. Or military homecomings, surprise homecomings when soldiers come home and are reunited with their families. Or um, when babies get cochlear implants, when they can hear for the first time. Man, so cool. And recently I was watching, and after this, uh, as I was studying the scripture, I was like, what is there out there when people receive sight and watching surgeries and stuff and watching the bandages come off and people actually being able to see for the first time. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's good for the soul. Just to watch, you know, and, and, and God has given us science, he's given us so many different things to be able to, modern medicine, to be able to navigate these things, but, but it doesn't replace the fact of watching someone for the first time hear, or for the first time see color, or for the first time see anything. It's amazing to watch. And so often it's the, the first voice they hear is the voice of their mother or a loved one. And the first time they see color, it's around family or maybe the first time they see anything. These blind men, when they were healed and they opened their eyes, the first thing they saw was Jesus. What a first sight. And here's the cool thing. God um, talks throughout his word that there's two kinds of blindness that are really discussed in, in the scriptures. Physical blindness, what we're talking about here, like people who can't see become, that they have sight. 
But there also talks about a spiritual blindness. They didn't recognize Jesus. Their eyes were veiled or blinded or, you know, like they didn't see. These, these two men, while they were blind physically, their spiritual sight was 20-20. Because they came to Jesus and they recognized Jesus and they knew who he was. They could see perfectly spiritually who Jesus was. And then their eyes were opened, physically. But they came to Jesus in persistence of faith. They already could see spiritually, which was awesome. And then the, the, the rest of this interaction takes this really interesting turn. And uh, we get to see really the depths of Jesus' mercy in this. Second half of verse 30. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all the districts. All the district. Jesus sternly warned them. I love that. Sternly warned them. Like this isn't just hinting, right? This isn't just a warning. Sternly warns them. He heals them and goes, hey, 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 look at me, look at me. You can now, so look at me. Don't tell anybody about this. Why would Jesus say that? This isn't the only time that we see Jesus heal somebody and say, now don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody about this. While Jesus does these miracles and he does communicate to us through these things about what his kingdom is like and that he has the power and he's a king above all kings, like, the reality is is so often what happens with people is that we become so obsessed with the miracle that we forget the miracle maker. And we just want parlor tricks at this point. Right? Right? Like, well, can you heal this? Can you heal this? Can you do that? Can you heal that? Can you make a rock so big you couldn't move it? Can you, what? Like, if there's a tree in the forest and it falls, does it make a sound when no one's around? Like, can you do this? Can you do that? Jesus says, I don't want you to tell anybody about this. Also, you start getting to people who, like, demand a sign and demand a signal and demand this and demand that. Plus, Jesus is also God, and he can do as he pleases. And everything Jesus does is right. And everything Jesus does is wise. And everything Jesus does is without sin. And we have to remember that. Because one of the first things these blind men do after they regain their sight are to be disobedient to God. It's one of the first things they do. Now, we, we can sympathize with them, right? We can, we can understand how excited they would be, the fact that they have sight. That's an amazing thing. But they ignored God after it. He gave them a command. Don't do this. And they did the exact opposite of what God told them to do. That God says, don't tell anybody. Whatever the wisdom is and all of that, we can look from other places. We go, okay, I can understand maybe why, but the reality is this, is God is God, and when God gives us a command, it's really wise of us to not say, you know what, I know God said this, but I could do it better. 
I know God said that, but, but he doesn't understand my situation, and so I'm just going to do it. But what we see throughout the scriptures, and this is what blew my mind, what we see throughout the scriptures in, in, the, in the time with Jesus is that Jesus knows the future, okay? Over and over and over again, we see this. He's God in the flesh, and so he says, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go, they're gonna kill me, I'm gonna raise on the third day. Multiple times he tells his disciples, we're gonna go to Jerusalem, they're gonna kill me, and then I'm gonna rise on the third day. He knew when Lazarus was dead, even though nobody told them. He knows the thoughts and minds of you know, people when he says, he knew, knowing their thoughts, he addresses it. He tells Peter, you're gonna deny me tonight three times. He tells Judas, he knows that he's gonna betray him. Like, over and over and over and over and over again, we know that Jesus sees the future. So Jesus knows these men are going to disobey him. And he heals them anyway. Think about that. Jesus knowing the future heals them anyway. These men had a blind spot. They thought that they were going to do God a favor, but they didn't see what they were doing in that moment. And Jesus, his mercy covers their blind spot. That was so encouraging for me. That Jesus knows not only all my sin before I gave my life to him, he knew all the sin that I was going to commit after I gave my life to him, and he saved me anyways. And then he allows us to participate in this beautiful mission called church. And that God called me into vocational ministry, and he, he, he called me into the, into the pastorate, and for the last 16 years I've been laboring in this journey of being a pastor, and and. and Ten of them, nine and a half of them, here at Ignite. And I look at my growth all the way through, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I learned from that, so glad I learned from that, so glad I learned from that. And listen, I'm not perfect, but I'm growing, but God let me participate back here when I was foolish and naive and young, and he was patient with me, and he kept me along the way. And I was just so encouraged by this, that that Jesus' mercy was even covering my blind spots, even when I didn't know that I had them. And that the kingdom of God, it's it's for the blind. Jesus comes to give sight. And Jesus comes to give sight even in your blind spots as you walk with Jesus. But here's the beauty of it. When they get revealed, when you realize just what you've been doing, you're met with Jesus who said, I paid for that. Not through condemnation, you don't, get a, you don't get condemned by Jesus. What you do get is you get a merciful God who is way more merciful to you than you even realized. And that in turn turns our hearts and our minds back to him going, wow, God, you didn't give up on me even on, I mean, I knew the stuff that I was struggling with, but this is all the stuff that I didn't even know about, and yet you covered me even there. He's like, that's how much I love you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close in prayer here in a second, and we're going to take the first few moments, and we're just going to humbly come before the Lord, and we're going to thank him.
I'm going to give you guys quiet time just to thank the Lord for all the things that he has covered that you know of, okay? All the, all the things that, that Jesus, all the, all the blindness that you had, all the things that, all the sins that you committed that Jesus has covered by the cross of Christ and his resurrection, we're going to thank him for that. And we want to thank him for the stuff that he's forgiving, of us, forgiving us for that we don't even know yet. Because that's how deep his mercy is. So we're going to just take time to thank him. So let's pray.